You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. And Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Have a couple of playoff games we want to get to maybe in the last segment. Also have some mock drafts. Doug Branson would be very proud of us. Is there a reason why Doug has ditched the podcast altogether and is only doing national ads now, Nada? Like, has he gotten too big time for us? Yeah, he is. No, he is way too big time for us now. Come on. Of course he is. Like, um, again, the thing is, like, he's not even here. Like, we said he can have five minutes. We offered him a five-minute promo stuff. They just give just to do shoot promos or what have you, and he doesn't even do that for us anymore. No, I know. I don't get it. I don't know why he's not doing that for any for How us. How come anymore. he don't want us, Walker? How come I he mean, don't want us? Well, look, you know, if you're going to have the three letters LOH at the end of your Twitter handle, then you need to be associated with LOH a little bit more than you are. Like, we can't just be the national ads or the national reads just because, oh, I'm locked on podcast network guy now. I'm too big for you. You know, he's got to be a part of this a little bit more. Reached out a couple times and it just hasn't worked. Um, I'm disappointed, Nada. It sounds like you are too. It sounds like we need to band together and go against him. Um, and yet we're going to please him today by bringing mock drafts to the table. Uh, that's is our, this is our fault. We need content. This is totally our fault. We, again, I, this is again this is what happens when you have to do this till November, five no. days a week. Ridiculous, man. I guess we just have to give him the content that he wants. So somehow we still are the puppets to his puppet master. And I hate even admitting that. Let's move on. Do you have some mock drafts I want to get to? First thing, though, I'm interested in talking about with you, Nada, is something you tweeted out, kind of broke the news to me just because you are one to do that every once in a while on Twitter. And you tweeted out that, um, or you quote tweeted, Nick Nurse getting the contract extension with the Toronto Raptors. There's Clearly no surprise that the Toronto Raptors would want to keep a guy like Nick Nurse. Pretty Mm -hmm. impressive story. Um, You know, the (laughs) Toronto Raptors move on from Dwayne Casey after he wins NBA coach of the year, but they don't go deep into the playoffs. What does uh, Toronto do? They go, they get Kawhi Leonard, they get Danny Green, who was an amazing throw in with all of that, by the way. They trade DeMar DeRozan away. They get a significantly better roster with a significantly better player in Kawhi Leonard. They get a new coach in Nick Nurse, and he wins a championship in his first season and defies the expectations that were around him this year and actually goes pretty deep into the playoffs, even (laughs) salvaging a seven-game series and what looked like it was going to be a steamroll from Boston overall. So I don't think there's any doubt that Nick Nurse is a damn, damn good head coach in the NBA. So, so happens there. It made me look up James Borrego's contract, Nada. Well, why did you do that to yourself? Well, I just wanted to see. There's no pain here. I just wanted to see, you know, look, man, you're in the news business, right? Like what happens is, how do you make a story local? And that's what I did. I wanted to see James Borrego's contract. And he signed a four-year contract at the beginning of his tenure here with the Hornets. But that fourth year does have a team option. So... You have one more year left before the Hornets get to decide whether they want to continue on with that contract as currently constructed, or if they want to add on an extension, you get the idea. We all know what a team option is. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was interesting not to kind of talk about that because in the first year of James Borrego, they have Kimball Walker. The goal is absolutely to get to the playoffs and the Hornets failed to do so. Um, 
they didn't do so. And and that's something that is a knock on James Borrego with the talent that was given around him. Now, I don't think it's all James Borrego for sure, but it was a roster that, you know, very flawed. Clearly, um, you know, it wasn't enough to get to the postseason, maybe with some mistakes that James Borrego had there. Also, just because the talent really wasn't good. Nick Batum being a $26 million guy clearly mm-hmm. just isn't good enough to have that kind of cap hold and for the Hornets to continue to struggle. Didn't see Devontae Graham, whatever. They just didn't make the playoffs. The next year, I think James Brago does a fantastic job of not appeasing to everyone like he wanted mm-hmm. to do with the vets in this first year. These were things that Marvin Williams talked about when he discussed James Brago's improvement from year one to year two. I think you saw improvement from him um, as far as his ability to handle relationships go. And I don't even think it was bad in his rookie season. They outperform expectations on all accounts. There were legitimate conversations being had about this team on whether they might be the the worst team in the NBA this season. And, you know, getting the number one overall pick without any luck that we actually got for the first time in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. So um, James Borrego, you know, clearly to me, a guy that has done a pretty good job. And I, I like James Borrego a lot. We've talked about his ability to make that transition from rebuilding coach to coach that needs to take the next step as a playoff team and then even a contender in the playoffs. I think he has that kind of ability to transition from the rebuilding coach to the next level coach. I think he's got this team taking the right shots. Um, They were last in field goal percentage. They were 20th in three-point percentage. They were last in defensive rebounding or 30th, but they were, I think, very good offensive rebounding. Like there's some things to like. And I think some of the things that were held against the Hornets were really because they don't have the horses and they need to continue to get as much talent. Um, But I I love James Borrego. My question to you, Nada, is what happens this year for us to have a serious conversation on whether – on what kind of pressure he'll have in his fourth year, the team option year of the contract as it's currently constructed? Quite honestly, um, I just need to ask you, I hate to say answer a question with a question, but I need you to answer a couple of questions for me. Okay. Do, sure. Does does James Marengo own a Twitter account? A public <sighs> Twitter account? Public facing Twitter account? <laughs> I don't think so. He I doesn't, right? I don't okay. think he does. That's one. Um have we known James Brego to say very inflammatory political things? <laughs> no. no, we have not. Known no, we have not. That. Right. Um, no, we, not. we are playing a season next year. Correct. I think so. Nada. I think that's, I think that's correct. I think you, I think you see where I'm getting at. Right. I think this. I do too. It's going to take some, it's going to take crazy. a combination of that. It's going to take that some crazy comment that it, that's going to take some crazy comment to show his true quote unquote public, uh, his private self to the public that is uh, less than what the Hornets want to be represented by. And that's not going to happen because Borrego is a fantastic dude. Exactly. Um, you're, you're telling me there's nothing on the court that can happen for no. him to have, you know, any kind of threat of, of, of him not coming back the following year. Here's the question. Who's coming here? Cause again, here's the, th- and I guess that's the thing. Like, he's got to – they have to have had one of the biggest mutinies that we've ever seen. And it's got to be one of those big public mutinies for this to happen. I don't see a way that this happens. In fact, quite honestly, if I'm the Hornets, yo, I'm not exercising that option right now, player. Yeah, like, look, like, let's, let's get that exercise <laughs> now. 
Well, that, that's that's kind of the real question because I agree with you. I don't think there's any way that James Borrego will not be here for a fourth season. That That's not going to happen in my opinion. There might be some pressure in the fourth season, um, especially if this is a team that doesn't... Could there be, though? Yeah, I think there'll be some pressure the fourth season because at that point, you're going to be entering the you know third year of the rebuild. Uh, if, if this is a team that gave you fool's gold with their record, which is, you know, you could even argue it's likely based on their point oh. differential. So let's say they gave you fool's gold based on their record last season. Okay. They kind of record, maybe even finish with a worse, uh, worse record because the East gets better somehow. I don't know. And then we're kind of all raising an eyebrow thinking, okay, why, all, why did all this happen? There's going to be some pressure there. But to me, I'm with you. He's going to come back for a fourth season. The question is whether they want to give him a contract extension or just pick up the team option. And I'm with you. I think he probably gets another contract extension at the end of this season, especially with the culture that's been established. And if players continue to improve, like I think they will. And there's been evidence of these guys because of how good player development has been. Yeah. Like here's the, here's the thing though. When we have these conversations about James Borrego and the thing is, like you said, the developmental thing, just everything with development, everything with the culture that he's built. But we also got to remember, and this is why I kind of disagree about there being pressure on him, not this season, but the following season. That'll be year three of a rebuild. If we're expecting anything other than maybe scraping, like the bottom of uh, scraping for an eight seed, then like anything less than that, like anything more than that is just quite honestly greed. The idea yeah. is that this team just needs to be competitive as long as it stays competitive. Like, again, the pressure doesn't come for Borrego until that contract extension is, is agreed upon. Because for right now, he's over, for me, he's overachieved in his first year. He grossly overachieved this year. If he has a down year and those numbers come back to his level, if water finds its level, That'll be the first time it's like, okay, they did what I expected. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I don't see the point of saying, hey, there's any pressure. And like I said, yo, let's just, uh, quite honestly, let's just exercise that option right now. Let's get all that set squared away. And then depending on how they perform next year, get the contract extension going. Well, and the thing with, with James Borrego, too, that we've talked about quite a bit there seems to be an excellent relationship from the top down in this organization in a way that there wasn't when it was Rich Cho and Steve Clifford and Michael Jordan all from the top down. And you know, we, we knew Agreed. about the problems that Steve Clifford and Rich Cho had not seeing eye to eye on a bunch of different personnel decisions, the way the basketball should be played. Um, you know, Mitch Kupchak and James Brago are fully on board and, you know, even I, they can only said good things about each other, right? Like clearly, clearly there is a great relationship there. And it's Mitch Kupchak's guy who, you know, after interviewing a ton of different people for the job, uh, James Brego became the guy. And I think James Brego has really carried out a lot of principles from Greg Popovich as far as leadership goes, as far as buying in to what these players want to do, you know, being a player's coach that also holds guys accountable um, I, I just love the kind of personality that James Borrego brings to the table. And if they're taking the right shots and showing a modern NBA offense, and if the defense was improving at the end of last season, despite not having players that you know you would think are really, really good at defense besides you know, maybe a couple, 
Um, and I, I'm with you. I'm with you. James Brago, I, I, I'm a big fan of him. Hopefully, he can continue to be the head coach here and we'll see if they work on an extension. Another thing I'm a big fan of is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and you have it in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers and uh, the catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. We have mock drafts to get to on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Nada, let's make Doug proud and dive into some mock drafts. Um, I know that he is twitching somewhere, knowing that he's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sense discussion. is going off. <laughs> the, I mean, if anybody's got him for mock drafts, it's certainly him. Let's go with Kevin O'Connor's most recent one mm-hmm. because something interesting happens at two here in a way that I, I haven't seen on too many mock drafts. He has Anthony Edwards going number one, which is a popular pick. And then he has Golden State taking Denny Advia. And here's his reasoning. He says everything is on the table for the Warriors with this pick. They could stay put, trade down, or move entirely out of that second overall selection. No doubt there. He says, quote, sources from multiple front offices believe Golden State's preference is to draft a wing. That could mean Edwards, who has size, but Edwards is shaky decision maker at this stage of his career, and he's off the board anyway in this scenario, going number one to Minnesota. He says, Avdia makes logical sense as a highly experienced player who projects as a versatile 6'9 forward with playmaking skills, and ideally, the Warriors would be able to trade down for him since two bigger name prospects are still on the board if they wanted to take that risk. That's something that they could do. But here's Kevin O'Connor in his mock draft having the Golden State Warriors take Denny Advia. What did you make of this selection for Golden State and how it would affect the Charlotte Hornets picking there at number three with Anthony Edwards and Advia off of the table? The, the question, the, my, my initial take is at this point, I don't think we talk enough about Denny Avia probably being a top three pick. I think we have, again, now granted, people are going to think that teams are off this on this Luka hype and wanting the next Luka Doncic and probably reaching and straining for that. I'm not saying Denny is Luka, but if he's an Andres Nocioni type in this draft where he gives you a solid 13, 13, 5, and 5, like in this draft, I think you take it, especially at the top of the draft where we, we're really not sure about any of these dudes right now 
Um, give me somebody else besides your boy, Noshioni. How about that? That's a name that is fantastic. I haven't heard you drop a name like that in a while, but I'm going to stay away if that's what you think his ceiling is. I don't think that's the type of player you're looking at, but um, if that is, then give me somebody else. Here's why I think it's interesting, Nada, because to me... I don't know if we're talking a ton about what the Hornets might do if you do have a James Wiseman and a LaMelo ball on the table. It, it feels like it's kind of an either-or situation with what we've talked about the most. And Kevin O'Connor in this mock draft, given that chance, he has the Hornets selecting LaMelo ball. And here's what he writes. He says, don't let Devontae Graham's presence or Terry Rozier's contract fool you. The Hornets are a blank canvas. Ball would immediately give them an identity as an up-tempo team with his flashy playmaking that said, it is a risk since Ball needs to prove he can shoot efficiently and put in effort on defense. He may lack some foundational skills, but his upside is clear. That's not anything I think unique from other analysis that you've heard on LaMelo Ball. I've talked about, you know, we've talked about this a lot. going to mention it again. I like his fit with a bunch of the different players that you have in the backcourt, some more than others, but especially Devontae Graham. Defense, there's some stuff to be desired there. But offensively, I think that could be a lot of fun. I would choose LaMelo Ball for sure in a situation that would include him and James Wiseman. Do you think that like Golden State in Kevin O'Connor's piece, um, them favoring a wing, do you think that the Hornets would favor a wing in this scenario over a guy that is as enticing as James Wiseman? I would. Um, the thing is, like, I think we're overstating the interest in James Wiseman a little bit. Because if because as we've talked about in previous podcasts, quite honestly, if the idea is to have a switchable defense and a more aggressive defense where you trap more on the pick and rolls and to make sure that you can trap and switch and recover, James Wiseman isn't the guy that, that, that you can do that with. James Wiseman isn't that big. If that's the most important thing, then I don't think that James Wiseman is very high on the horn's board. I do think that LaMelo can be that kind of guard where he plays, again, he's an intelligent player. He's a, he's a savvy kid. And I do think that that matters when you start talking about drafting guys at three. And if you're talking about superstar potential on top of that, then it has to be LaMelo ball over a guy like James Wiseman. I just personally, the more I think about it, the more I look at the skill sets, there's no way if you value what the Hornets value that, that Wiseman is that high on their draft board outside of the fact that he fits a need, quite honestly. So we talked about Kevin O'Connor's latest mock draft. The Hornets um, and Kyle Boone's latest mock draft are doing something maybe a little bit different. Sam Vecini mentioned this on the podcast, gave it as a possibility in that long article we talked about the past three days. But Kyle Boone actually has the Charlotte Hornets selecting number one overall and trading with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And what do the Hornets do? He has him uh, selecting Anthony Edwards with the number one overall pick. And this is what Kyle Boone writes of CBS. He says, Minnesota's front office says it is committed to exploring every possible avenue after winning this year's number one pick. So here I have them trading out of the slot with Charlotte. The Hornets are already guaranteed one of the big three between Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. But the two-spot jump from their current position ensures they get their preferred man. Anthony Edwards gives them a young wing to build with while trading out Nets, Minnesota, more capital, and thus more opportunity to better surround D'Angelo and Carl Anthony Towns and their current core. So Anthony Edwards, not only would the Hornets get him, but they would have to trade up to go get him, not a... What are your ideas? What are your thoughts on the Hornets possibly doing that for the Georgia product? I don't see him. The thing is, 
I like Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards fits a very, very big hole in that two two guard again that wing that wing role. I just don't see the Hornets trading up for, for to do it. Like I quite honestly, I don't see them doing that. Um, I for for multiple reasons. It's just I'm not sure Minnesota again. What does Charlotte have to offer that Minnesota would actually want? That would probably cost you a Miles Bridges at most. Again, at best. Like, no, it's a good it's a good question to bring up because you you bring this up with Golden State and Sam Bassini talked about Cody Zeller immediately going to Golden State and filling a need. Um, you know, being their big man that can run rim to rim that is pretty mobile. And you know, you would you would swap the picks, give up Cody Zeller. I don't know what else you would give up. You know, with with whatever. But yeah, it, it makes sense there. You know, Cody Zeller isn't as attractive in Minnesota. Um, you know, you could be, I guess, looking for like a Miles Bridges, but the Hornets, I can't imagine they would trade up to go two spots to go get their guy and give up a Miles Bridges and get the number one overall pick, which I think would cost a decent amount of capital there. I, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know what the Hornets would want to do um, to go up two spots. And I don't know what Minnesota would be willing to take on. I mean, you know, if they're going to get a two guy like Anthony, I mean, maybe, you know, Hornets aren't doing that with the Bram. Like I'm having trouble coming up with a trade for that to happen too. Or Golden State, it's a little easier because Cody Zeller fits an immediate need um, with that offense. So I'm with you. Like it's tough to make a trade happen between those two teams. It's impossible. It's legitimately <laughs> impossible. Because again, you're talking about at best, what do you talk again? Bridges and a Martin twin. Like Bridge, Bridges and a Martin twin to end three to go up to one. That's kind of expensive. That's kind of expensive. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, at this point, I'm not sure you're doing it for Anthony Edwards. Like, if you're trading up to one, you're doing it because you don't think LaMelo's going to make it. Do you think LaMelo ball falling to three is the best case scenario for the Hornets? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I like I, I like LaMelo Ball being here in a Hornets uniform. He's so fun. Like, that's the thing that I'm trying not to get trapped by because I've talked about it a million times. The shot, the shot, the, the decision-making, you know, I, I just hope that that fixes itself. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I think that's a real problem that needs to be fixed in his time in the NBA and pretty immediately. Hopefully, the defense comes along too. But I also am trying not to get trapped by thinking about how fun it would be to have those two passers with Devontae Graham and LaMelo Ball in the backcourt. Like, can you imagine how fun that offense would be with those two guys? Um, You know, I I would like to have some better rim runners out there besides, you know, Cody Zeller, who's who's good. I just don't know how long he's going to be on this team. I'm thinking about it in a future aspect. Um, But man, that would be so much fun to have those types of passers, guys that are both capable of, you know, 10 assists per game. I think Devontae is, you know, pretty damn capable of at least approaching 10 assists a game after he got more than seven this year to have both of those guys running the offense. That, that's what I'm trying to get, not to get trapped by Nada, but damn it, it would be so enticing and I would love to watch our offense. No, it'd be fun. And again, it would be exciting. And I do think LaMelo is the most talented kid in this draft. And I don't think it's close. The only reason that you would draft a guy like Anthony Edwards is because you think the physical gifts are going to legitimately take over at some point, And then you're going to regret not having that physical freak 
on your on your roster. But that's a real thing, though. Like yeah. that, that's a real problem. I mean, I mean, he's if he's got the athleticism, he's you know more explosive. It's somebody crazy, energetic. We know the problems. We've done the scouting reports on these guys, but um, yeah, it, it does make it a hard decision. You know that that's what makes it a crazy hard decision when you've got a third overall pick and everything's up in the air. You know, it, it's not easy. If the Knicks had an easy job last year, right? Like even mm-hmm. if RJ Barrett is someone that we're all second guessing quite a bit after his rookie season, man, I, you have to imagine any NBA team was really going to take RJ Barrett third overall. Any team was going to take John Morant second overall. And we know what it was with Zion. You know, it's not like that this year. So it's going to be really tough um, for Mitch Kupchak to make that decision on what he wants to do with the highest draft pick that we've had. And like, you know, at least um, the highest draft pick that we've had, God, since MKG, I guess, going to since uh, Since MKG, again, since MKG, since Cody Zeller, theoretically. All right, we've got one more segment to go. Kimba Walker suits up for the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Miami Heat. We'll talk about that game as well as Game 7, a surprising Game 7 out there in the Western Conference semis to see who takes on the Lakers. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Not I saw you tweet something out about this too. We should just have a segment called "Explain Your Tweets," kind of like what Dan. Yeah, you might as well. Might as well, Bob Ryan. Um, I saw you tweet this too uh, about Doc Rivers, and I saw this video going around uh, about Phil Jackson when he was coaching against the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals, and in the timeout huddle when they have those guys mic'd up every once in a while, Phil Jackson was discussing with his Lakers team in the 08 finals that they're going against a team that has surrendered the most fourth quarter lead uh, fourth quarter leads in the NBA. We know about the three, one deficits that um, have not necessarily been surefire victories for the Clippers or, you know, whatever coach that uh, whatever team that doc rivers is coaching. And here we are where the Denver nuggets have been able to fight and claw back to tie this thing up and go to a game seven are you telling me, Nada, that you would fire Doc Rivers if this was a Clippers team that did not get to the Western Conference Finals? In a heartbeat. <laughs> because you have Ty Lue right there. You have yeah. Ty Lue right there. You have first uh, first opportunity to go get Ty Lue. If Ty, Ty Lue is not saying no, not, Ty Lue's not saying yes to the Pelicans or yes to the Sixers if, per se, if again, the Clippers job is available. I would fire Doc. Like, here's the, the crazy part to this, this whole thing is, unfortunately, and I love Doc, but Doc's going to get you 50 wins whether you have a good roster or a bad roster. It doesn't matter who's on the roster, per se. After a certain point, when the expectations of this team are to win, and mind you, you are on a short shelf life with this, because if I'm not mistaken, Kawhi can opt out next year. You have to win the title in the first two years. If you do not win right here, you have to move on to the coach because you can't do too much else outside of potentially move a Montrez Harrell or someone else for some pieces. That's about it. That's all you have right now. So, I I mean, Doc's the only answer to this question of what do you do to tweak this? Because you can't be Milwaukee and say, oh, we're going to run Coach Bud out there 
and hope for the best again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they fire Doc Rivers. I don't think that actually happens. Um, if if this is a, a monstrous uh, squandered lead that they had over the Denver Nuggets. And remember, you know, they had this lead over the Denver Nuggets after the Nuggets had that grueling series with Utah and mm-hmm. had to play two days later. And Jamal Murray <laughs> was surprised and certainly frustrated that they had to play so soon after that dogfight that they had with Utah. And here they are where they're able to tie things up. Now, Nicole Jokic is an absolute monster just destroying the Clippers. Can you imagine if... It, you had LA who was deemed the deepest team all year long, have so much talent. You're right. Like often the coach becomes the scapegoat, but here Kawhi and Paul George, I believe both of them have the player options um, that they're that, you know, soon I, it's this year, right? It was just the, the two year deal next, that they it's, had. It's next year. I believe it's next season. That's right. So it's the two, it was the two year. Uh, it was a three year deal with the third year being a player option. I believe that is correct. And so it's not like you have these guys locked in long-term. Do you just want to move on from doc rivers now? Yeah. Paul George and um, Kawhi Leonard are locked in next year. And then it's the player option that they have the third season. After that, Patrick Beverly is locked in three seasons from now. You know, you do get some cap flexibility, at the end of this year with Montrez Harrell's contract coming off of the books and Marcus Morris's contract coming off of the books that would free you up 18 you're going to have about you're going to have more than 20 million available with Patrick Patterson's also coming off of the books so I don't know what they would do with that but it's going to be hard to get better than what you were unless you change the coach with some you know crazy different ideology yeah like it becomes mad interesting especially with all the expectations surrounding that team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, let's go to the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat series. Nada, how excited are you for this one? Who is your pick at the beginning um, of uh, before we get to game one tonight? I think, I think Miami wins this game. I think Boston wins the series. I am fully prepared for Lakers Celtics in the finals. And at this point I am fully prepared again. Have you moved out of the block yet? Walker, have you moved out of the block? Have I moved out of the block? I don't know what that means. Um, What I mean by that is there is a certain Kemba Walker who's, again, slowly being gentrified by Boston media. Yes. And and slowly all the Hornets Hornets accomplishments are being erased. And again, everything's being rewritten. And he's going to be Celtic legend (laughs) Kemba Walker by the time he gets to the finals. I keep trying to tell you this because, again, this again, our famous favorite bodega, our favorite spot to go to. We got a good sausage egg and cheese bis- not biscuit, sausage egg, egg and cheese bagel because it's a bodega. Mm-hmm. Great cheese too. Great bodega. Great service. Down to earth. Home again. Down down home. Great service. And guess what happened? It turned into a Starbucks. It's going to continue to turn into a Starbucks. I'm trying to warn you now. Enjoy what you have. Again, enjoy your memories of one Kemba Walker, folks, because you know what? They're going away. They're going away shortly. And now, are you not so sure that Jimmy Butler is here to uh, give a petition going around and say, hey, save the local bodega and stop this thing before it gets some real traction heading in to the NBA finals? Because Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat with Eric Spolstra, they have looked so good in the bubble. The only game they lost was in overtime to the Milwaukee Bucks, who were also very good despite their bubble struggles that they had. And the Boston Celtics are coming out of a dogfight too. Like, is this one of those things that it benefits the Miami Heat 
for getting rest and it hurts the Celtics or are the Celtics cool? Do they have enough rest after their seven game series against the Raptors? And uh, they, they actually got like the perfect amount of rest where they're able to come back in and, and still have their momentum and, uh, and, and still, you know, not become lethargic from the big rest that they yeah, have. But, but here's the th- like Walker. Here, Spo isn't going up against Bud now. He's actually yeah. going up against a guy that can coach. Yeah, you're right. Or at least that. coach in the postseason. We know that much. I, no, you're I, right about that. Like, that's the thing. Like, Spo's going up against someone that I would consider is equal, quite honestly. And this is where the, the chess match goes. And if Gordon Hayward comes back in, I would say, game two, game three, adds another wing body to that depth. I mean, the questions I have about this series are, can Kendrick Nunn actually stay on the floor in this series? Can Kelly Olynyk stay on the floor, for God's sakes? Like, they have one big that can stay on the, on the floor, and I'm not so sure. And again, Boston got two with Grant Williams and, and uh, Daniel Tice. Like, there's a lot of this that feels like Boston, but Boston seven. So yeah. I, I, can, I can see Miami winning tonight. I just don't think they win the series. You know, I, I think it's going to be a great series. I'm going to go with Boston in six or seven too. Hell, I'll go with the seven game series. I think it's going to be absolutely nasty between these two teams. But in the end, I just think Boston is more talented. So if you're going to say it's a wash at the head coaching spot, and if you're going to tell me that you know Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler for whatever reason is basically a wash, then you got to go to the next best stars. And as much as I love Miami's team, you got to go Kimba and Jalen. Maybe if you want to put Bam out of bio as the second guy, you know, really competing with those as the second best player, then okay. But the Boston Celtics, even if they don't have a ton of depth on this team, they do have the next probably four best players or so. And then we'll see what happens if Gordon Hayward does come back. But you're right about that. Like, it, just give me Boston. Give me seven games. I think it's going to be an awesome series, and I can't wait to see who gets to the NBA Finals and uh, plays whoever. If it's going to so be much winning. for that petition, huh? So much for that petition. You're enjoying oh, well, the Starbucks too. I mean, he tried. Look, he can do the thing where he attaches himself to the tree to save old Oki, but in the end, the bulldozer, it's coming in and the tree is going to go bye-bye. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to you guys for always supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.